Hey, Chaz, do you know what this sound is? The sound of health and wellness. The sound of our sponsor for today's show. It's made completely possible by Athletic Greens. They are, of course, the health and wellness company that makes comprehensive daily nutrition super simple. It's actually a 20-second process to hit optimal health, Chaz. I'll tell you what, I've been hitting optimal health in my morning for the last, I don't know, how long have I been on the Athletic Greens program, David Lee? A year? Six months, a year, yeah, I don't know. And I'll tell you, it never gets old. The taste of health in the morning, my body craves it and sets me off. Now that I'm starting to train, now that I have something to fight for, uh, I need it even more. You really do. I'd say the older you get, the more you need it. And if people rewind this podcast three years, it was all conversations about cigarettes and booze. Yep. My, how the times have changed. Athletic Greens. Athleticgreens.com. By the way, they've revamped all their branding. They've updated the formula. AG1 is the current formula. It's still 75 minerals, nutrients, uh, vitamins, but it's all whole food sourced ingredients. So imagine organic all those too. whole foods, organic, keto-friendly, paleo-friendly, dairy-free, vegan, made in New Zealand to the highest standards. So think of all those whole foods, just crushed up, pulverized, put into a powder. It's even stuff that you wouldn't put into your diet. If you were trying to have a healthy diet, you probably would overlook mushroom complex. You might overlook adaptogens. You'd have probiotics, but they'd probably be dairy-based. This is dairy-free probiotics, all in one scoop. And if you're buying multivitamins, all that stuff, you have to think about that. You have to remember it. You have to remember to purchase it. This shows up at your doorstep every month. It's a powder, one scoop mixed with eight ounces of water, 20 seconds, optimal health. AG1, do listeners still get vitamin D when they backslash surf on there? Vitamin D immunity booster, a year supply. Athleticgreens.com slash surf. It's all in one dropper now. You go to athleticgreens.com slash surf. Athleticgreens.com slash surf. And you get not only optimal health and wellness, you get vitamin D and immunity booster dropper for free. And you support the show. Yeah. Athleticgreens.com slash surf. All right. Turn your mic and put it close to you, if you don't mind. I don't know if it'll balance on the tail of the board. Yeah, hold it. Um, Chaz, you don't get a camera yet. That's great. Sorry. That is great. Matt is way prettier than me. Matt Parker, welcome to the show. Thanks. What's up, guys? We're at Album Surfboards, of course, which is Matt Parker's pride and joy. Um, I can't believe how packed it is in here right now. It uh, used to be the showroom, and now it just keeps on turning into like the warehouse. It's crazy. The space that we used that you used to be in, oh we yeah, used to have a studio in right next door. You outgrew that, and I looked at this space, and I'm like, oh, this is plenty of space for yeah. you guys. And over the course of months, it's gotten busier more. And so now not only boards crowding the racks, which the racks themselves have grown, shipping boxes everywhere, giant rolls of shipping material back yeah, there. Yeah, I know. We try to keep the showroom side clean and open and nice, but this side's turned into a little bit more chaos. Congratulations. Yeah, thanks. Yep. Growth. What do you attribute it to? Uh, I think it's a, just a combination of a million things. 
right? I mean, we were on a good trajectory and then COVID was weird and like business boomed, I think for everybody then. And then it just hasn't, but it hasn't stopped. So we just try to keep up with it all. And um, how much do you attribute to Josh Kerr? Uh, quite a bit. Yeah. Josh and Ash are both great validation for the boards. Totally. Yeah. Um, tell me about the trip. So we are doing a one week at Niyama. It's this resort in the Maldives. It's like a little private island. And there's room for eight surfers. I think we have two spots left. But you get a week of surfing with Josh and I, and you get daily surf coaching from Josh, which I'm kind of looking forward to. I could use. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. Like a week of like, uh, so video and photo and all that kind of stuff. And then um, I watch you surf for the whole week, and we chat about boards and then dial in a custom board by the end of the week based on how you surf and so you get a week long surf trip mm -hmm. and a surf and an album surfboard custom yeah. mm -hmm. coaching from Josh Kerr. Yeah. Just surfing with Josh would be incredible coaching. And it's an all inclusive, uh, five or six star little Island with nobody around. So who's the, totally uncrowded and who's the photographer going? Uh, so Mike Townsend is coming with us oh. and then they have a guy, Eric Proust over there. Who's also shooting all the, drone and water and all this kind of stuff too. So I've seen this is a <laughs> gluttonous feast right here. It is. And I thought it was kind of, it's kind of last minute, obviously, cause you, it starts November 1st, but the guy, the guy over there says people book all the time, like day before. So oh, really? Yeah. Okay. So, wow. Once in a lifetime opportunity. Completely. Where do yeah. they sign up? Um, if you just go to at Niyama surf on Instagram and DM them or through me, at Album Matt or Album Surf or through Josh. Just DM and then they'll coordinate from there. Okay. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah, it'd be fun to have a listener come along though. That'd be so fun. How do you even carve out the time given your family commitment and this business? Originally, I was going to take the whole family. I'm taking my my son though and my dad's actually coming along too, oh which is kind of cool. So it's a little bit of a family trip, but I have to like force myself to unplug and take a break. Otherwise, I'd go nuts. Uh, so when did you figure out that you need to force that? How many years into business? Uh, a long time ago, but sometimes it's, you have to have your hand forced. So this trip was like, they're like the trip is happening. You're going, and we're doing it. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I, um, like to hang out with people who have designed better lives than I have so that I can level up to them. Yeah. You guys are both great examples of that. Uh, uh oh, not me. Yeah, dude, you're <laughs> sailing the Mediterranean, <laughs> sailing the Mediterranean, you know, you don't pretend like you don't live a uh, enviable lifestyle. Um, that's true. I do. Yes. Matt, you too. And I was actually um, interviewing John Roseman mm -hmm. for the podcast. I think I'm going to publish it next week. And it's like early 20s, he finds himself on Tavarua, has a business opportunity, you know, and certainly uh, wouldn't say exploits it, but grows that business as significantly as you possibly could have imagined back then. And it's all centered around surfing cloud break for 30 years. Yeah. Straight. He turned like that he, into his life. He really did it yeah. as here's my life. I want to surf this wave. It's the best wave yeah. arguably on the planet. And so I'm just going to surf this for the next 30 or 40 years, but I can't afford to do it on my own. So let's kind of utilize this business, give back to the community, give back to the surfing world, like ingenious. Yeah. You know? No, it's key. Yeah. I mean, that's why I make surfboards is so I can surf every day. That's, that's my that's point. That's a big chunk of it. So that's my point. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. Living the dream. Awesome. Cool. Well, thanks for joining All us. All right, okay. Always good to hear from Matt. So great to hear from Matt. Handsome man. Hasn't aged a day. Ages backwards. He really does. Benjamin Button. Totally. Um, well, 
we've got a lot to catch up on, I suppose. People so love Cersei, by the way. She's a fantastic person, that Cersei Wallace. Somebody summed it up nicely, and they're like, I uh, want to dislike Chaz, but each time his wife and kid come on, <laughs> like I, I tend to like him more and more against my own better judgment. Um, I think I do a good job. It's funny, when she was here, I was like, cringing when she was saying positive things like About you kind of like I've worked hard to uh maintain a pretty crap demeanor uh and so if somebody says something nice about me I just feel bad like I've worked hard to be bad why I don't know like the maybe it, it's probably some deep psychological flaw or something of like not being able to take compliments or something like that, or it's just, just easier to be a dartboard. Mm. We should dig into that. Yeah. I don't know which angle to take on it yet, Yeah, but we should dig into that. Someday. Uh, listeners call in, yeah. <laughs> offer, offer your suggestions. Uh, maybe there's, there's gotta be psychologists listening, psychiatrists who yeah. probably have a take on that. Major um, malfunction. Last time we met, here last week you guys were going to be headed to surf ranch the sure very were. next morning very next did that come to fruition it did 100 okay. she said that it was for natural selection yes can you please explain what natural selection is and why it would be at surf ranch so natural selection is uh the world's greatest snowboarding uh i guess competition um it's travis rice famous professional snowboarder uh you know has the most or has done the most prolific films, I guess, or best films in all of action sports, from Art of Flight to Dark Matter is my personal favorite, too. You know, that's it. That's all, like, legend. Legend in the game. Uh, he started a, I think, Cersei's produced, wife has produced all of his, all of his films and all kind of his stuff. Um, and so they did, I think it was called Ultranatural, or it's changed names, but they've started this idea of sort of a big mountain, free free ride competition kind of thing with you know not in the park but features natural features and also you know sort of built kickers and stuff like that uh on you know bigger mountains just to to showcase that kind of snowboarding you know into powder and all that kind of stuff um so natural selection is the now you know the latest iteration of that last year they had three stops first was jackson hole second was bald face up in british columbia and the third was alaska uh, the Jackson Hole event was live. The other two are like video kind of compilation stuff. But yeah, so doing again this year, uh, you know, m moving forward. So yeah, that's. But why is it at Surf Ranch? So, so those are snowboard events. Snowboard events. Travis loves to surf, of course. And Michael Schwab, uh, an amazing man, is the uh, part an investor in Natural Selection. Um, and he also uh, is the one starting the Coral Mountain surf resort that's getting built in Palm Springs. Um, and yeah, which is, will utilize the Kelly pool tech. And I think he is a part owner or something in KS Waveco or something. I don't know. He has some financial stake in it. So just everybody together there. So it wasn't an actual natural selection event. It was just for people who are involved with the Precisely. production to, to go celebrate. To go meet. I mean, you know, they like talked shop and whatnot, but yeah. also tons of surfing. Um, who is Michael Schwab? Michael Schwab is, uh, what's his dad? Charles? Charles Schwab's <laughs> son. Yeah. Great investor. Uh, Big finance. Iconic financier. Bank. Yeah. So that's his son. 
Got it. Yeah. So Michael Schwab um, is obviously born into that kind of lineage, but he happens to be into surf, snow. Yep. And so a lot of his business endeavors are now um, influential in our world. Extreme related. Yeah. Yeah, extreme adjacent. Yeah, and you said that he's an awesome person. He's totally amazing. He's so. he's great. Yeah, cool. cool. Love him. So there's a um, everybody gets to benefit. He's the Willy Wonka. Everybody kind of gets to benefit from some of these investments that he's making and yes. celebrate and party and Me. go hang out in Malibu. I'm the one who gets to exactly. benefit from the by investment. everybody. I mean, very few people. <laughs> but if you're on that inner circle, okay. So to Surf Ranch itself, how many days did you guys have it for? So two days okay. at Surf Ranch. Uh, there was um, yeah, the way they run it. Of course, as you know, they have two heats a day. Uh, so you surf twice a day, right? For Didn't you do that for Surf Journalist Day? Didn't you surf a yeah, morning yeah, heat yeah, and then yeah. an afternoon so heat? So each group has, yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, and so There's eight heats, but you yourself precisely. get to surf in two. Yes. Got it. Um, and so those heats are an hour long. Uh, at Surf Journalist Day, I think there was between four and five surfers in the water. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me this time, I was one of three surfers in the water. One who is a great guy, uh, producer of Natural Selection too, but you know, lives in Vermont, doesn't surf very often. So it was just he and Cersei and me in the tub for first day. And then second day, we got a super heat, an hour, 20 minutes, and it was just me and Cersei. Unbelievable. Yeah. So it was like, yeah, I mean, ridiculous. So how many waves did you get? I have no idea. Like at least it felt like uncountable, but. So more than your fill. Oh, more. I mean. You always want more, of course, like, especially if you see the footage after and like, so that's the a great thing they've added or that they didn't have last time or that I didn't see last time was now they video your waves and then you can go have a coach walk you through them. They did uh, not have that last right time. after the session. Right. And, and so it's the first time in my life that I've ever been surf coached and both seeing the flaws in a game and then trying to go fix them the very next section on, or yeah, next session on waves that you know, you know what you're going to get. Yeah. So, yeah. And did it help? Yes, uh, <laughs> definitely. I mean, for the first time in my life, I think I really saw, oh, you know, I'm not opening my shoulders when I turned. Like, I'm closing, I'm not opening. So just even that idea of, like, throwing your head around, trying to get your arms, or not trying, you know, swinging your arms around to open on a turn was, yeah, something that I had never actually done before, I don't think. Um, on our previous sessions there, we both talked about, all the nerves yeah, because you have a very few waves, four waves, I think on our previous time, were you ever able to feel comfortable in the pool? Yes. So the first wave I caught, I caught the first wave of the first heat of the first day. It was like 8am. And so that is important by the way, everybody who's been there knows that first wave is sheet glass. Yeah. Yeah. I I actually had three first waves of the side, three sheet glassers during the whole time. But, uh, those are usually fought over. Yeah, but they're weird too. They're weird. Okay. Yeah, they do weird things. They're hard to they're hard to kind of judge, harder to judge. So they're beautiful, but they're they have their own kind of set of difficulties. But the first wave I caught, I literally had to kick out first right, uh, like three quarters of the way down. I was so keyed up, like my heart was racing so fast that I just thought I was going to explode. So yeah, after that, I kind of started breathing. But the best part about having that much many waves is. You, you do lose the nerves and you like, I would try, you know, I was trying to turn big and so I was blowing waves in right. the middle because I wasn't 
safety surfing thinking this is my last shot. Right. Yeah, which I probably should have safety surfed to the barrel at the end a little more. But the barrel at the end, so they have uh, two settings now, which I don't remember if they had when we were there. Uh, they have three settings, actually. One is like for, they call it the intermediate thing, but it's like just straight mush burger for beginners on, it's like party wave on soft tops. Okay. And then they have CT2 and three. CT2, barrels in the middle, uh, and I think it barrels again at the end. Um CT3, you have more face and then it barrels at the end. So I typically was riding the CT3 just because I was really, really, really trying to dial in a turn for the first time in my life, like get a good turn on lock. Okay. Um, did you ever complete a ride from beginning to end? No. Out of exhaustion or falling? Just, yeah, really pushing, try, trying to push as hard as I could every time. Okay. Like I didn't want to, I didn't care to surf one to the end. That wasn't my goal. My goal was to try to do... Again, try to do a good turn. Did you ever complete a barrel? No. Crazy. I wasn't, but I wasn't even like, if I went back, I would maybe think about it more about like just focusing on that barrel section. That's of course the big sell for Surf Ranch, right? Is yeah. the barrel. Everybody's like, go get barreled. For a tall guy though, it's really like, you really do have to pretzel down in there. Uh, so I had a couple barrels that were fun, right? Like uh, that I got lipped on at the end, but I wasn't even, the barrel was a total afterthought for me. I honestly wanted to fix my turning. Um, that CT3, I guess, that you're riding where the barrel section's only the end section, yeah. that barrel is a lot harder to manage as well. Yeah. On the other setting where the barrel's in the middle is the one where you could just park it and, yeah. and even stall yep. and then just sit in it forever. But um, I'm disappointed. Disappointed in my lack of barrel? Yes. But that's not, I remember from Surf Journalist Day, Again, for a tall man, like it, you'd really do have to pretzel down in there, yeah. right? Like, yeah. which is, you know, I mean. But you want to get barreled. Sure. But I wanted to turn more. Like I thought this is my chance to actually replicate fixing a real kink in my game. That's going to be like, so to the point, I suppose I went surfing day after came back and actually maybe did a decent turn out in the ocean because taking what I'd learned and putting it in right like taking what you learn about the barrel there i can crouch in close out barrels or you know little beach break break barrels and scoot out every now and then but that's not you know that's fun and not that that's a scooty beach break barrel but it's it's not like you know if it was this kind of stand-up barrel then of course i would just go yeah. figure out how to get the best get deeper than you know as deep as i could and come out um what board were you riding? I was riding an album twin fin. It wasn't the twinsman. It has kind of like a bat tail on it. Okay. But yeah, I think it was, it's like a five eleven maybe. Okay. Uh, pretty wide across the nose. Um, so what style of turn are you talking about trying to perfect? I was trying to just go up and do a real beautiful, like a Michael February turn is what arcing, I had. Arcing from utilizing the whole wave face kind of top to bottom. Exactly. Where you would have to then go into a down car or a carve off the bottom, like bottom turn. Exactly. So that, not, not a wrapping cut back. Not a wrapping cut back. Not a you, searing flare. No, just like a solid, like uh, from bottom turn up to the top, throw spray and come back around and do it again. Like the image you posted. Exactly. So where is all the footage? Uh, it's buried somewhere in computer. Like you, they did send it to you. Yeah, I have footage. Will you be? Have you already reviewed it? And will you be posting it? I'll post something. Yeah, I really? like uh, sure. I reviewed some of it. I mean, the whole point is right. Uh, I've always barked at Cersei. 
do not post footage of yourself surfing, right? Like it's not cool. And so then I said, I'm going to have to post something at some point. And she said, what? You always tell me you can't. And I said, I know, but I'll be seen as a, you know, like that I'm hiding something and I'm I'm never hiding anything about my surfing. I, I don't feel I'm not a good surfer, right? I'm trying to get better perpetually at surf ranch. I felt, okay, this is the first time that, uh, not that I did get, but I did improve a little bit. But yeah, my surfing is nothing to look at, right? Were you humbled by the footage? Yes, of course, always, always. Like, but I knew that. Go, you know, it's not like I thought I'm ripping. Now let me go see myself rip. Yeah, yeah. But you're perpetually re-humbled, right? Like I would have a turn in, you know, one of the heats where I thought, okay, that felt good. You know, like I actually felt, you know, I felt it. And then you go see it and it just doesn't look good. Were you humiliated by the footage? Sure. Yeah. It's always tough, man. It's real tough. But that's like, I've given up now officially on the, I'm not going to get better. Like I want to get better now. Yeah. So it's worth taking, like it takes humiliation to get better. I feel like um, Athletic Greens and Whoop has been a part of this process. They sure have. I mean, it really has. Being a better me. Even a year ago, you would have argued against wave key. Surf coaching. Trying to get better. Yeah, all of it. You just are who you are. But yeah. realizing, no, you're not. Like, you can improve. You can get better. Yeah. You can figure something out. You can, yeah. Like, I totally want to do wave keno. Yeah. Okay, this is all very interesting to yeah. me. Yeah. Um, did you have fun? Yeah, ridiculous amounts of fun. Okay. And it's not the, you know, best surf in the water is the one having the most fun. Malarkey. It's not that, but it was so much fun. It was just fun, fun, fun. Man. We are failing in our efforts to make Chaz grit again. I have become so ungrit. I'm going to get wave coaching, just having a good time, getting fit. <laughs> Regular trips to surf ranch. Yep, just crazy, dude. Not grit. Totally crazy. Yes. Um, I feel like that maneuver is you could easily manage. You could figure out how to perfect that maneuver. You picked a maneuver that is like you're going to get sections to offer that'll yep. offer that opportunity. You're going to, it's something, it's a fundamental maneuver that you kind of need. It looks good on a tall man, a tall, thin man, I think. Like the that kind of surfing, it's not like, yeah, it's appropriate for my build and shape. I really singled in on it and thought, this is what I'm going to learn here. Yeah. So that's why the barrel for me was totally disregarded. Man, I feel like you could have done both. Yeah, I mean, I should have. The, the thing and the epic coach talked about this. She said, uh, rarely do you in life, do you have a wave that goes this long? And so it's really is disorienting when you're on it. Cause you're, I w- you have time to think so much. So you, I kept overthinking. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's a real problem is I feel, feel if I had, I'm sure everybody says, if you have just a couple more days there, right. Then, yeah, of course. then you got a couple of days. There. Sure. But if I had a couple more, then <laughs> right. I, then it really, you don't ride waves that long. So you come down, I'm so used to just having one section or two sections out in the ocean, right? And you plan and you see it and you execute whatever your thing is. And then, you know, you maybe can lock back into one more thing and then you're done. There, you do your thing. And then what do you, you know, and then like, oh, just, you know, pump a little bit and then uh, try to do something else. But it's like getting into the flow of surf ranch or a wave, I suppose if you're always surfing Selena Cruz or whatever, right. Then you would have flow of a long J Bay. Yeah. You'd have, I, okay. I know what to do. I know how to kind of pace myself on a, on a big long wall. I felt I had zero pacing the entire time. Um, 
one thing that you don't understand until you go there too, even though it looks like a perfect wave in the ocean, whether it's a perfect wave or not, you're looking, you can look down the line and see sections and kind of prepare yes. for sections. The way that that wave develops at surf ranch, you're always 10 feet away from the fence. And so there's nothing actually to plan for, to plan for. It's very, very bizarre. And so what ends up coming at you is actually coming from your left and in front of you. It's not down the line. It's kind of over here in your periphery. But even then, you can't prep for it yep. because it, it comes up under you almost. Yep. So there's sometimes where you're, like you're saying, going through the pacing. You're like, well, I've just been standing here for a while. I guess I better go do a turn. So you set up a pump and you start going into the turn. Well, then that barrel section sucks up under you. And you're like, what? I didn't see that coming. In the ocean, you would have seen that coming. That the, that undid me a couple times where, cause the bottom will really drop out there if you're not. And so like I went up, to, you know, for my turn and then all of a sudden there's no bottom and just like boom, exactly. straight into, yeah. So then next time plans. you think you get in your head about that and you're like, I don't want to go into a turn and commit to it because that might happen again. And so I want to kind of feather it a little bit. And so you do a half turn then you're like, Oh, now I'm going to do a big turn. And then, you know, and oddly as mechanical, of course, as, as it is, it's not the same wave every time. And so like, for example, once I was, I had it on the CT3 setting, you know, standard, went up, did my turn, uh, dropped back in and, oh, it was barreling. So I, you know, tuck in to the barrel and then it just like clamps on me. And then after in surf coach land, uh, she's like, oh yeah, that, you know, it's impossible to get it out. That's not an actual barrel there. That was just kind of accidentally happening there. Right. But you don't, you can't make it out of that. But of course your instinct is you see this, there's no way you're not tucking in, right? Like exactly. you're not going to just like outrace it. So, but that's what you should do. So it's, it's that wave is its own thing. It's counterintuitive a lot. And I suppose to the barrel question again, last session, super session, the wind was blowing on it. And so it wasn't actually barreling much on the, on the right. Like at the end, it would just start crumbling. Well, in the, making those split second decisions, in the ocean, you're attuned to it. And that is actually what you're always, uh, what you've always learned how to do in the ocean yep. is make those split second decisions, look down the line, look for those things. At Surf Ranch, it's a completely different equation. So you're actually not equipped to make the split second decisions because yep. you're looking at the larger map, but then the larger map is kind of cut in half. You know, it's, it's a very weird thing. It's interesting. I mean, what makes me feel a little bit better, I think about performance there is the, the people who work there. I mean, I will say people who work at surf ranch are absolutely all time. Like everyone there is like for however I've disparaged it before. And I will continue to disparage it as a place that is for competition or the way that the world surf league does competition there is unwatchable, right? Like I think there's ways you could do competition there. We've discussed them here that would make it fun, but the people who work there, epic, every, yeah. every single one of them. Uh, but watching them too struggle, like they, you know, they'll take off on a wave and we'll blow it because it is as simple as it is. It's also insanely complex. Mm -hmm. Fascinating. Yeah. Can't Surf wait ranch. to see the footage. Surf ranch. I'll show you some footage. I don't think I have any on my phone even, but Man, yeah, I'm uh, I'm impressed that you're going to put this out there. I mean, I'll put, I have to, right? No. Why? Um, I don't want, I'm not putting it out there out of pride. I get it. I'm putting it out there out of a sense of, or I will put one thing out there out of a sense of, look, you know, I'm not, 
I'm not ashamed. I mean, I am deeply ashamed, but <laughs> I will wear my shame. So there's, I, it's a complicated thing, social media and what you want to share with the world and what you don't. Yeah. And so my two thoughts on it, I have put, posted surf footage of myself and yeah. I also posted uh, photos of myself after saying that I would never do it. Sure. My two thoughts are, number one, it's nothing to brag about. No. So I'm not, I'm not like trying to say this is great surfing. So that's one reason to not post it. The second reason is some of my, my most intimate things in life, I actually don't want to put on social I mean, that's media. true. But then you find yourself in this conundrum where it's like, oh, but it's your partner's birthday. So I should post me and my partner on social media because you want to honor your partner. It's the right thing to do. But that conflicts with my initial thought, which is I want to keep certain things private. Surfing to me fits that same paradigm where I'm certainly not bragging about my surfing here. And it also is something that I just kind of want to keep to myself. That's true. Can't put everything on blast, no, right? It's, I hear you. I, I don't want to. I would like all things equal. I would never put any of it up. But now that you're making it part of your public journey, you're obligated. To I, that's that. what I feel like. I'm obligated. That's why I don't want to make it part of my public journey. Yeah. I'll talk about surfing. I'll, you know, certain aspects of it, but that part of it, I kind of want to just like mind your own business. I wish that I had taken your path, but yeah. alas, I'm way out here. Too late now. Yep. This will all come back when we talk about Jonah Hill. Perfect. Um, because he's doing, I think he's stuck in a very similar paradigm. Yeah. Unfortunately, he doesn't know it. Uh, we were talking about cover shots last week and Nathan Fletcher. Did you get feedback about that conversation? I did a bit. Uh, n like, I think people that I heard from were more or less like, it was an epic shot. Yeah. Like, it was good. Yeah, people Just, disagreed with us. Yeah, People said there's a long history of throwaways. Of well, people also um, getting closeout barrels. Yeah. Probably the most, you know, the vast majority of barrel shots might have been closeout barrels. Anyways, uh, Remington emailed Matt Warshaw and us, and he said, gents, love the weekly infusion, love my weekly infusion of mostly non-surf-related banter with the occasional surf take. In last week's episode, David, Chaz, and Cersei were all adamant that the cover shot has to be a make in response to the most recent Nathan Fletcher Surfer's Journal cover. I'm no surf journalist slash historian, and I'll defer to our Lord and Savior, Matt Warshaw, on this. But when thinking back on some of the most famous cover shots, many or rarely makes. Timmy Turner talking about pulling uh, back into deep on a tube shot in Indo, and he links to a video of Timmy talking about that on Surfline. I didn't actually watch the video, but I think that it, with the one that he was talking about might have been at Nias. Yep. Remember that backside one? Yep. Um, and then he said, second example, I can't find the surfers journal article from a while back, but it definitely quoted Tom Curran talking about how different surfing for photographers was for him at Rencon because he would intentionally sell out and not make a maneuver just for a better shot. Mm -hmm. So go extra hard in the maneuver just for the shot. Third example, Nathan Fletcher, the man you claim wouldn't approve of a miss for the cover. Loved it. His Mo arguably most famous ride was a code red Chopu wipeout cover shot seen below on a Transworld Surf mag. I'm sure these are just the tip of the iceberg for surf cover shots, but respectively had to set the crew straight. Matt Warshaw responded and said, every aerial cover shot on a surf mag in the 80s and most of the 90s was most definitely not a make. 
The very first uh, was Kevin Reed in 1975 doing a kickout that people now claim was the first air cover. This photo, I don't know if you can remember. Yeah, it. He's, he's on a single fan, yeah? It, yeah, it's yeah. hilarious. Yeah. It's shot from behind, and he's just in the air, but yeah. above the lip, you know, yeah. six inches, clearly a flyaway, yep. and that was so radical that it made the cover. So, mea culpa, we were totally wrong. I feel like, even though we might have been wrong, the spirit. shame on surfing. Yeah, surfing. Shame. I'm like kind of embarrassed to look back at the track record. It's None of those should have been covers. It's so true. Right? I mean, for sure. Now, let's make surfing grit again. I truly believe that we need to adhere to that code of ethics. Yeah. Code of honor. I like it. Yeah. And they're all totally right. And like at the time that Kevin Reed cover, you'd have to go back to fully decide, understand the context of the time to decide whether or not that was deemed worthy of a cover. Sure. But context aside, legacy is more important. And I think there needs to be these kind of code principles in place. But it's too late now, apparently. I mean... Shame on surfing. Shame on surfing. We We're should do better. Having gone down this primrose path Don't of you think? just looking good, but not actually being good. I mean, Cersei was adamant. She was. And maybe she was talking about, I th it's probably different in skate and snow, I will say. Which is what I was kind of suggesting at the time. Yep. And so I, I would have to defer to her. Like, we're, she didn't know surfing's history of cover shots that yes. was illuminated by our listeners. What are snowboards history of cover shots? I, I have to think, I can't imagine a throwaway or a, an unstuck snowboard air getting a cover. Right. Like, cause she was commi like committed to that. Sure. Yeah. I mean, but, and you can't even imagine one that, you know, like what a big wipeout on a, after an air on it. Like, yeah, I don't know. I, it wouldn't make any sense in snowboarding. Right. I'm, I'm no snowboard historian. Wow. <laughs> well, we also don't have magazines oh i guess we do we have the surfers journal but other than that we don't have a lot of magazines to um ask to do better in the future so the only magazine that exists decided not to do better do worse yeah yeah shame on you surfers journal shame on surfing in general <laughs> for this legacy and maybe we should just try to do better yeah that's true um, this podcast we will not talk about unstuck airs exactly uh honolulu surfboard fire yeah Second one in two years. So this, the real story here, I think for me anyways, is what's happening in Waikiki at large. Um, when was the last time you were in Wikes? Two years ago. Okay. And I, you and I talked about it and you were talking about your love. I love Waikiki. And I was just like, no, it's gone to crap. Like it's terrible. So let me actually tell the story first. Uh, I'll just read your words. Honolulu, 10 Honolulu Fire Department resource units responded to reports of a fire near the Moana Surf Hotel on Sunday morning. When they arrived, they found flames clinging to the walls of the substation and for the police department and the Moana Surf Rider. In this little alleyway, they have a surfboard rack where you can rent space and leave your surfboard there rather than lugging it back and forth to home. So somebody, there's 525 surfboard racks there. Somebody lit that all on fire. Torched it. Torched it. Burned down everybody's surfboards. It's been there for 45 years. Up until two years ago, no incidents at all. Two years ago, somebody set the thing on fire. They rebuilt it. And again, this past week, somebody else set it on fire. Um, presumably, 
because they're unhappy with the concept of the business or just all the surfers that are out in the water nowadays in Waikiki? Or methamphetamine. I mean, it could have been, I think that- A that, meth head who just did it by random? Yeah, just like a homeless meth head who just accidentally burned it down. Um, accidentally? I mean, I don't know, or just maybe on purpose, but to know not related to any real reason. I'm I guess saying. that, so that would actually tie into more kind of what I wanted to talk about, which is the disaster that is Waikiki. I got to go back. Are you sure it's a disaster? Dude, it was such a disaster when I was there. We rented an Airbnb and it was in this high, you know, those, one of those high rise condos. Yeah. It was scary walking from, and it was like not far off of where all the rest, you know, the main strip of yeah. everything, walking distance, half a mile or whatever. And um, it was a disaster. It was like there was prostitutes in the building riding that elevator. Walking from there just to a restaurant a short distance away, you're passing, you're like honestly protecting your wallet while you're passing homeless people, what look like meth heads, prostitutes out and about, just a complete disaster. So then you get to the main strip and there's the Tesla retail dealership next to all of the Chanel. fanciest. Yeah, Chanel, all that stuff. Big television monitors, like advertising everything. It really felt like the center of the Las Vegas strip on the sea. I love it. And so that already is offensive to me and very kind of, anti-Hawaii, you know? It is Hawaii, though. It's the beauty of Hawaii. Uh, All of it. It wasn't Hawaii until now, though. Mm -hmm. It wasn't Hawaii's legacy. Waikiki always had a touristy element, but this has now become so overblown that it feels like Las Vegas transported to Give me more. That's exactly what I want. That's why I want to live in Waikiki. And then I was telling you about street performers. Remember the little kids singing and their yep. parents standing over there, like staring at them, like demanding they collect money, essentially. These weird seedy elements of, uh, you know, a tourist type transplant element that finds themselves to these meccas where they can panhandle and stuff like that, that I just felt like none of this is Hawaiian. I can't speak for the locals and how they feel about it because, I don't know, maybe they're into it. But just... From what I expect, in my experience, when I go to Hawaii, the surf thing was completely, all of this has also happened in the surf thing. So the surf thing has completely been bastardized as well and appropriated and blah, blah, blah. But then to have all of this happening to the local businesses, it was just like a, a caricature of a once Waikiki. Gimme. That's what I want. That's the way I want my Waikiki. I mean, I haven't been in a couple of years, so I need to go experience this paradise of which you speak for myself once again. Well, what happens is fire set by meth heads. And or maybe like a competing business. Could have been. Yeah. I mean, that's who the, that, those are the two suspects in the paper were either a disgruntled competing business sort vendor or a homeless person. Well, the paper was saying like, maybe it was a beach concessions. Yeah. But I'm like, that's not a competing business. This is a surfboard rental rack. Are there more than one of those around? Maybe. And, or maybe they don't want people to, to buy boards and store them. They want people to rent boards. And so. So the rental business burned down the maybe. Rack business. I mean, if you, Hey, they're not getting any money out of that. Let's take these. Maybe there was a, uh, maybe one of the rental companies stores their boards in the racks. Maybe. 
So that'd be a very short list of suspects. That you, could, you know what I mean? Like yeah. you could, the investigator could track that down. But but I'm saying that maybe like one of, you know, I mean, how many how many uh, surfboard vendors do you think are in Waikiki? Surfboard rental. Spot. I don't think there's many. Really? Despite Waikiki being a mecca for tourists renting surfboards, yeah. I don't think there's many. I think that though... There's not a lot of square footage. Sure. And not a lot of real estate available. I mean... I don't know who who owns the thing. I don't, I have no idea. Is it, excuse me. You're the journalist. Is it privately owned? I don't I know. know. I am a surf. I'll get to the bottom of who owns the Waikiki surf racks. Yeah, but a lot of like vintage surfboards and stuff go up in smoke. Well, because they're privately owned, so yeah. individuals, you know, buy nice surfboards and they store them there. Um, I I guess what my thought was, other than you, I don't know anybody who would actually be happy with the way that Waikiki has been developed me other than the developers themselves. Yeah. Um, like the actual local people, the local businesses, all that sort of stuff, I feel like have not benefited from any of that. And the way that it has shifted the culture is in all negative ways from my estimation. Just go to Maui. Exactly. Like, exactly. I mean, but like, I mean, not Waikiki, Waikiki. If you don't want that kind of thing, go to, go to another Island, go to the big Island. I'm not going to tell them which island they really should go to. Correct. Good. <laughs> Don't. Uh, I was disappointed to hear all of this, needless to say. About the burning? Yeah. Or that I love Waikiki? Both. <laughs> but the burning, because it was like, you're right. This is a crack. This is probably a crackhead related incident, you know, and whether or not they acted on their own volition or they took a pay. Yep. A payment from a concession, a local competing business or whatever. You would think after getting burned down once that you might install some how, very cheap cameras. How are there not cameras? Yeah. To, there, there have to be cameras on all of those buildings. Well, it there. literally, the I substation, mean, the police substation. As the story, like fire, fire was clinging to the walls of the police substation. Yeah. How is there not camera on, on the racks? I have no idea. Strange. Or the police substation itself. Like, or maybe there's just so many people coming and going at all times that it could have been one of 20 suspects in the camera footage. You know? One of 20 suspects holding Molotov cocktails, tossing them. <laughs> there are people <laughs> holding cocktails that can easily be confused as. Um, the funniest thing, I don't know why this was funny to me, but everything's just charred, right? Yeah. In the photo, one of the photos anyways, on like Hawaii News Now or some one of those Instagram accounts. And... Um, there's one perfectly unscathed green pole in the middle. And somebody was just like, whoever painted that pole did a phenomenal <laughs> job. Like it's all charred blackness and then just one perfectly green pole. It was like, what kind of paint did they use? Uh, what kind of primer? That pole survived all of that. Whoever, whoever, yeah, whatever the primer and paint was, they should go out and do a whole ad campaign on their For green sure. pole. For sure. Um, so, the gift that is Jonah Hill keeps on giving. Oh my goodness, does he ever. But have we exhausted the topic in a way that we exhausted bashing the WSL for years on end? Um, probably, but that's not going to stop me from <laughs> continuing to talk. <laughs> I mean, the story develops. Yeah. So I, I guess I, we got to talk about the development. I mean, the, whoever did the Jonah Hill ruined surfing, ruined surfing sticker, is that's very funny. Please stand up. Oh yeah, person, totally. Please announce yourself, call into the listener line, identify yourself, email something. It's some, I mean, I'm assuming that sticker was at Malibu, right? I couldn't really tell in his Instagram. Couldn't like, tell. Yeah. Somebody could have sent him the photo. Oh yeah, it's true. Uh, anyhow, sticker reads, Joan Hill ruined surfing. Uh, Hill took to Instagram to declare, uh, 
like if my happiness makes you insecure, then I will never stop doing things that make me happy, no matter how insecure my happiness makes you. Which is a real weird takeaway from that sticker. Like a a totally bizarre, self-centered. Totally. Takeaway. Like that you think somebody made that sticker because your happiness is making them uncomfortable. Insane. I mean, there's a trillion reasons to argue if somebody wanted to argue, I'm not going to argue it, but how Jonah Hill made surfing foolish, right? Or Jonah Hill surfing is a foolish endeavor. Great. Makes him happy. That's not the point, right? Like a B. So being defensive when you're a comedian, uh, I saw another DM from somebody that seemed like Jonah Hill was, I couldn't tell who was doing it, who was, uh, if it was Jonah writing or somebody else, but something about, um, making, making the Jonah Hill run surfing shirts, t-shirts, uh, and then selling them for charity. But so Jonah really is kind of in on the joke. That's one thing, but his initial post made it seem like he was hurt by it. And then his girlfriend doubling down on the get a life thing, like any haters who are going to speak negative of Jonah Hill, get a life. Right. And it follows his defense of the body you know, body shaming thing the week before it falls in line with that same sentiment. It just is so utterly sensitive. And I don't know how a person can be that sensitive as a comedian. I agree. Jonah Hill ruined comedy. Yeah. Not just surfing. He's ruined comedy. Funny man. Jonah Hill has completely lost all sense of humor. So first of all, Jonah, Kelly Slater gets made fun of all the time. The greatest surfers in the world, other than Duke Kahanamoku, yep. every surfer who has come before you gets made fun of. It's part of the rites of passage because you are a kook and you're entering a new space and that's part of the repartee. You know, it just comes with the territory. So it's highly sensitive. Secondly, quit thinking that the world needs to be comfy and cozy and warm at all times, okay? Because that is a completely futile effort. If you think that, it might be reflective of the fact that you are a one percenter who's everybody says yes to around that never encounters any you know resistance at all. You go into this space, which is actually fun, and, and they're accepting you as one of them, which is why they're making fun, and you're so delusional that you don't realize that's part of, and you're supposed to be a comedian, so you should have recognized that immediately. Was So it's, it's the hypersensitivity. The other thing is, uh, presuming that it's insecurity that is fueling what is going on yeah. is insulting to the people. <laughs> Completely. Let's put it this way. You're a millionaire. Making millions of dollars for acting in movies is actually insane. We live in an insane society that values that. So that actually could be highly offensive to a teacher who's making $60,000 a year. And so, yes, your happiness, you making millions of dollars makes you happy. And it is offensive to this person who's actually working harder and doing better work that's making far less money than you. So they are offended by you. And so your happiness isn't making them insecure. You know what I mean? I mean, like flip it on its head, idiot. It's really, it's offensive that you are offended by this. I mean the, the whole, to me, Jonah Hill as the center of gravity of the entire universe is bizarre that somebody, somebody would say Jonah Hill ruined surfing. That is, has anything other to do that he looks like a kook and that 
like, you know, he's doing a kooky job at it, like with his body love and with his, I mean, not his body, you know, awareness campaign thing, but with the, you know, tattooing body love on and, you know, bleaching the hair and like every way he's kind of clowning on surf. He's all fine and good. Go do that all day long. But if somebody says you ruin surfing and then you look at his Instagram and it's just him being a kook, a surf, like right. vocal surf kook. And then you think, no, it's my happiness that is causing insecurities that then is bubbling out this way. It just seems like, yeah, that is, that is more self-centeredness than narcissist. Yeah. It's just it's like insane. ridiculous. But then so, I didn't understand how the media, cause I don't think Hill or his girlfriend twisted it this way from their comments, but I don't know how the mainstream media narrative really ran off with the Jonah Hill ruined surfing sentiment was about body shaming. Like, so that was the mainstream media's takeaway entertainment weekly, every mainstream kind of outlet, the guardian covered it that way, that this was surfers body shaming Jonah Hill. Yeah. They misunderstood everything. They misunderstood it. Jonah Hill misunderstood it. It was a very simple sentiment right. Jonah Hill ruined surfing you ruined it by being a kook a kook and, and pretending like precisely yeah. like you are but also it is the fact that somebody made that sticker is a total backhanded compliment right yes. like it is you are part of the tribe you are such a part of the tribe that we can reference you now it's almost like the Cardiff kook speaking of Cardiff there's a yeah. statue in Cardiff of a surfer, I think supposed to be learning to surf that looks real kooky. And so people dress it up all the time, right? Where I feel Jonah Hill has become kind of the Cardiff kook. He's become a, uh, a meme of this idea of overcrowding, beginning surfers, all this kind of thing. Well, nobody is incensed that he's happy about surfing, right? That's what he's missing. Yeah. What we're incensed by is your shameless display of the learning of the process and then being offended that people have a commentary on your shameless display. Precisely. So he's like, if Jonah Hill was not posting ever photos of himself surfing, if he was being Jonah Hill doing his own thing, and then people were maliciously like photographing him and putting it up and trying to make him look bad. And then Jonah Hill ruined surfing. Then I could see the, the argument made like, Hey, I'm just out there having a good time. And you guys are all making this a real public spectacle. He himself has made it a public spectacle. So to, to do that and then be offended that people comment on the public public spectacle of it is a real either disingenuous from him or just him being completely disconnected on the way that the world works. Imagine this, okay? Imagine next year Jonah Hill discovers and develops a passion for gangster rap. Yeah. And he starts dressing the part and he starts putting terrible rhymes out on SoundCloud for the world to see. You know what I mean? And then he gets real mad. So, so like him putting terrible rhymes on SoundCloud is the equivalent of what he's doing at Malibu. Yes. That is the absolute equivalent. The least that would happen in the gangster rap world response to it with them being putting a sticker out that says Jonah Hill ruined gangster rap. <laughs> That'd be the least of it. You know what I mean? They would come, they, whoever would come for him guns blazing and make so much fun of the way that he's dressing, the gold chains, his gold fronted teeth, all of it. You know what I mean? We should like, really, we should really make Jonah Hill ruin gangster rap stickers though. Totally. <laughs> now, totally. Now that we're on it. Like they, <laughs> that world would pile on so hard. So the fact that somebody made a Jonah Hill ruin sticker, ruin surfing sticker is just like not, e- it's silly. 
It's I mean, just a silly little quip. So the fact that he's so sensitive that he would get offended by that, because by the way, he has fully appropriated the culture. If I, but he's brand new into a culture, documented every single moment of it, blasted it out there, and then acts weird that pe- acts surprised that people would have a comment about it. If I, I mean, I'm not famous like Jonah Hill, but if I walked down somewhere and saw a sticker that said Chas Smith ruined surfing, I would be so proud. Yeah, like I I've would, arrived. I would totally be proud. Totally. Um, I wrote a couple of notes. I want to make sure I covered everything. Uh, the weird thing is I actually, uh, talking about our conflict conflict about social media, what to post versus what yeah. to not protect it. Like part of me actually is uh, sympathetic to him and likes the fact that A, he's pursuing things that make him happy. Great. Like that, I'm actually, I kind of like Jonah Hill in certain ways. Of course. I find it weird that I find myself arguing against him so often because part of me is like, Good for you. Go do what you want to do. Yeah. Part of me is actually also cool about him celebrating it publicly. Great. You know what I mean? Do what you want to do. I think what he's mistaking is that um, uh, attacking the people, like people commenting about it, him attacking those people is creating a larger attention on his body. Him saying, I don't want to be body shamed is going to make thousands of articles about his body. Him attacking the people who are doing the thing that he doesn't want isn't going to make him happy. You know what I mean? Like, it's only going to create a double response against those people, which is a bigger offense than the actual offense of Sharon Stone saying something negative about him. As a student of, uh, I don't know, the way things kind of spike and ebb, online like what it's it's interesting to me that it is jonah hill plus surfing is a mat like a large-scale media movement like where jonah hill does something to surfing or and everyone covers it like that jonah hill himself with the even with the body stuff and whatever like jonah hill is now a lot bigger story way bigger story i mean it almost feels like he's the biggest movie star in the world right now in terms of coverage he's getting so i'm it makes me wonder if he knows all of that. And so him saying, don't talk about my body. He knows. It's he just knows gonna... there's going to be thousands of articles written about his body, which keeps him in the media spotlight. Yep. Think about the long list of celebrities who have gotten into surfing, dedicated themselves to it for years and years and years and years, and nobody ever talks about sure. it. The media doesn't associate them with it. I mean, even people like Matthew McConaughey, yeah. who, who did associate with it, right? But he, like, it's not like, I mean, I guess that was kind of, his thing was pre Instagram and I can't, doesn't seem like the kind of guy who would go on to Instagram and post back to surfing on Instagram. I will say now that we've been talking, I mean, footage, footage of yourself, Instagram, adult males and females, like putting things, the idea of social media. When I think of Matthew McConaughey, I think that's not something he would do. I think I want to be more like Matthew McConaughey than Jonah Hill. Correct. Yeah. Do or Eric Logan for that matter. This is why Eric Logan got flack when he entered the surf space is entering the surf space while you're learning, publishing self. Unlike, unlike Jonah Hill though, I will say Elo took it all on the chin. Elo never, never once slapped back. Elo knew what he was doing, chose to do it and also chose to accept the flack that goes along with that. Bravo. He corrected behavior though. He, I mean, he stopped posting photos of himself. Sure, totally. Also, because he's become now more like him and more of an actual surfer, right? right? He's been in the community long enough now where it's just, he's, you know, he is one of us. Right. Like, and Jonah Hill, 
yeah, if if Eric Logan would have ever, I mean, and again, good on him. How many years, how many years of funny barbs thrown Elo's way? Never once, never once did he ever even halfway, like, say, back off or anything. I never got anything. I don't think he's as sensitive as Jonah Hill, firstly. And I think that his values are more um, properly aligned in his life to where there's not that much weight or value attached to anything that you and I say. Sure. You know, and maybe he does, maybe he stopped posting for a different reason entirely and it had nothing to do with you and I. I, and that's where I think Jonah Hill has, there's a certain thing that he hasn't realized yet, which is talking about how you want people to talk about your body will never actually make you feel better about your body. In the same way that if he ever has a six pack, that's not going to make him feel better about his body either. Well, and I mean, saying anything publicly on social media, like I think it's inevitable, right? That part of the reason you do it is for all the people to say, go Jonah, you're the best, you know, just the- Which will the, never make you feel better about Totally, yourself. but that, that dopamine rush initially yeah. of seeing all your famous friends say, you go boy. Uh, you go boy. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I I like, again, I, parts of me like Jonah Hill and sympathize sure. with him completely. I just don't think that he's going to get out of it what he's uh, pretending like he wants to get out I'll of tell it. you, I mean, I'll tell you. Who am I to talk about his body? Directly, what frustrates me about the whole thing is it's exactly what I love about the David Chappelle, Dave LaChapelle, uh, the closer. Watch the closer. Oh, you did. Cover to cover and, and put a tear in my eye. Because you were so incensed? Loved it. Loved oh. every second of it, right? But talk about someone taking sensitive topics on the nose and I and speaking to it directly from personal experience and not being crazy sensitive. Like where knowing that he was going to get dragged after that, right? He knew full well. He had no thought. Like I feel it was almost a piece of performance art because the he knew, I would imagine, that the stand-up routine was part one. Part two of this performance was going to be what happened in the media after. Of this, all these stories written, people like I can't. So I read more than one of incensed people from you know whatever who were incensed by it, writers uh, who didn't finish it. Like how in the world can you who walked away in the middle? They were so offended and then wrote, you know, lambasted it, uh, which Chappelle taking sensitivity on the, like, I think that's snowflake culture, cancel culture, all of it. That's what Jonah Hill is representing. really representing right now. Which is, is why I wanted to do another lap on Jonah. Yeah. Was it's not just Jonah surfing. It is representative of a much bigger conversation. Of, it's okay for all of us to be so sensitive, so easily offended and let everyone know that they're offending us. And that is no longer allowed, right? Like, which is putting so much bubble wrap, all the bubble wrap and album surfboards around. I mean, I suppose it's what you said about the world is not that kind of place. Right. But well, take that, a friggin' joke, take a joke. So that's the reality is Jonah, no matter how much he goes on social media and asks for you not to talk about his bot, the world will never bend It'll end, by the way, even if you can get people to stop talking about this one thing, you're going to encounter 
uh, offensive things every other turn constantly throughout your life. Your kids are, the world is that way. There's so many humans on it that don't have that much time to think about you or worry about you that there's just going to be varying opinions at all times. And so if you're in a mindset where you think that you need everybody to be sensitive to the way that you view the world, it's a futile effort. You're never going to have that. What's better is to understand that people aren't thinking about you, aren't considerate of your sensitivities. They have their own agendas. They have their own things that they're doing. And so you just don't put that much expectation on other people. You have extra sympathy for their insensitivities. I mean, and you go through a world where it's not all about you. To me, it was- You don't even have to have armor up. No. It's just not about you. To me, that, I mean, that was one of the, like, the most egregious parts of his don't talk about my body thing when everybody piled on to Sharon Stone about her age and yes. her, like, everyone. Old lady, oh, you're yeah. way behind the times. Yeah, just yeah. piling on. And he just allowed that to happen on his own feet. Didn't come in and say, hey, guys, what I was specifically talking about, let's, let's not talk anybody about anybody in this way, right? Like, it was so myopic in terms of don't talk about me this way. Or don't talk about, you know, I mean, she literally paid him a compliment, got straight up piled on, and he allowed that to happen in his own, in his own, on his own platform. Totally. Which, are you kidding me? Like, you're not going to go protect an older woman right. who's just getting beat to a pulp by your followers for, based on the way she looks. And like, yeah, and it's again, just, come on. Again, two wrongs don't make a right. The second wrong of him allowing that to happen was 10 times worse yep. than the first wrong, which is her commenting. Sure. You know what I mean? Yep. So it's like, not only do two wrongs don't make a right, well, it way outweighed the first wrong. And also I would gladly argue that complimenting somebody and telling somebody they look good is never going to be a wrong thing to do. Agreed. Like, Completely agree. So I did get an email from a longtime listener who's trans. Yep. Who completely disagreed with our take on okay. the Dave Chappelle thing. And... I only read it this morning. I think it came through yesterday. And so I wanted to ask them if it was okay for me to read it online or read it on the show before I read it on the show. So I won't read it on the show. But I, I do feel uh, fine just saying that their take was um, that watching Chappelle and his commentary just felt horrible. I get it. So they said... Maybe I'm being sensitive. I don't think I'm being hypersensitive because here's all the ways in my life where I'm not sensitive. I listen to you guys every week, yeah. you know? And and, he, and this person also said, um, I'm not gonna cancel my Netflix subscription. I'm not gonna stop supporting your podcast, but watching it made me feel horrible. They said further, I did not finish the documentary or the stand-up special because I felt horrible and I didn't wanna subject myself to it. But then I listened, and that was pre-listening to our podcast, then listened to our podcast and thought, you know what? I should re-watch it from beginning to end so I can make an informed decision about it. Still couldn't finish it because it felt that horrible. I get that. And I don't want anyone to subject themselves, right, to the pain, like to real hurtful stuff is, and if you don't get it, not that you don't get it, if, if it doesn't feel good, then of course flip it off and say, I don't like that. I think the where everybody else went, like Netflix employees and all that, of ban this and burn Canceling. this to the ground and da-da-da-da-da-da-da, like, that's is... That's the problem. That's the problem. It's totally. n the, there's no problem in... Well, there's stuff I don't want to watch because it makes me feel uncomfortable, right? Like, Fully. 
but and, and to our listeners point, I agreed. I'm like, it makes perfect sense that I wouldn't feel horrible about it because my not, life experience and world experience is different than your yours and that you would feel horrible about it and that we can both decide that I'm going to watch it and you're not going to watch it. We could have different opinions sure. and not hate one another and be friends and be friends. Yeah. And I loved this person saying, I'm not canceling my Netflix subscription. Sure. They're making a business decision. I get that. So this person felt horrible, which is unfortunate but they're not going to retaliate against all those people, including us. I mean, which is high minded. Thank you. Yeah. How Beautiful. about that? Be like that. Beautiful. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Uh, commercial break. Maybe let's do it. Take a break from all this heavy lifting. Wow. Today's episode is brought to you by whoop jazz. Whoop 4.0 has changed my life. David Lee. If listeners use the word, the promo code surf, not only do they get the free Whoop 4.0 strap, they get 15% off their membership. It's a great deal. First of all, John John Florence and Nathan Florence are using it. That's good enough for me. If it's good enough for John John, it's good enough for me. <laughs> I feel like it is. Yeah. My um, sleep efficiency last night, 90%. Good job. I feel like I'm storing it up before the baby comes. Good great idea. job. It's like my body just knows. Great yep. idea. Yep, yep, yep. What was your, what's your recovery looking like? Um. Today is a active day. I'm nice. supposed to be active today. I okay. just closed my phone, so I can't access it now. Great. But I'm I'm going to surf after this. It looks partially because there. of that. Yeah, the waves are pretty good. Um, so here's the deal. It's a fitness. It is the most advanced fitness wearable on the market. It goes on your wrist. Cool thing about it is there's no annoying notifications. There's no screen. There's no buttons. It's super sleek. So sleek, in fact, that it fits under your wetsuit sleeve. It's tracking data 24-7 while you sleep, while you exert yourself, all of that. And it's sending it to the app on your phone. So when you actually want to get that information, it's right there on your phone. And it's so detailed that you could share it with your physician, your trainer, your PT, a coach. And it's important vitals about your overall health. The strap, easy. Put it on, don't think about it. The App is very, very easy to, easy to navigate for someone who doesn't enjoy new technologies. Yeah. It's no problem. So that's the key is that, like you said, it's not annoying on your wrist. It's just collecting constantly. And then when you want the info, it's right there. Easy. So whoop.com, that's W-H-O-O-P.com. The promo code is the word surf. You get Dot the 4.0 strap for free and 15% off your membership. Merry Christmas, everyone. Hiring for a small business is critical. It's imperative that you find a highly qualified professional to treat and grow your business with the same care and detail that you do. LinkedIn Jobs will be your next big unlock. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team fast and for free. Everybody is already on LinkedIn with their resume and their references. So the fact that LinkedIn built a hiring platform to connect the dots between everything is simple genius. It's way more sophisticated than a job board. It's a vast network of more than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set, desire, ambition, all in an effort to help us advance our position. And it's easy to use and intuitive. So effective that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Fast hiring solutions means achieving your goals in record time with rapid growth in 2024. 
LinkedIn Jobs will even help you write the job descriptions and give you tools and prompts to help you interview your candidate like a pro. LinkedIn.com slash surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally free. And you can let the world's largest social network of business professionals work to connect you with the ideal candidate to help you grow your business. That is LinkedIn.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com. Chaz, we are back. Great. How did you like the Valdoc? I haven't seen it yet, <laughs> but I did watch Chappelle. Uh, Val will go on tonight. Can I just tell you my take on Val? Yeah. I'm dying to. Yes. I've been wanting to discuss it with you, but if you're never going to watch it, I just want to tell yes. you about it. Um, I, I liked Val pre, prior to this documentary. Now you love him. No, not exactly. Uh-oh. He's fallen from my graces a little bit. Because of what? So I liked the documentary a lot. Yeah. It's a really good like as a documentary itself, it's very good and well it's very made. revealing about uh, Val. Yep, it's all archival footage. He shot so much footage when he was on the set of all of those movies that you know and love. He had a camcorder and he was shooting Marlon Brando, Tom Cruise, all this stuff. Right? Um, Val is not a great actor. What was revealed to me through all of this is that Val has never been a great actor but he thought that he was all along. Ooh. It's pretty that's, interesting. That's great. So he's an he's a tremendous overactor. Yeah. So when you have roles like Doc Holliday or Jim Morrison, you know, those are perfect. Yeah. And you and I watch that and we're just like, man, he's amazing in he that. He sends it. It's because he's an overactor. Yeah. But when there's roles that call for subtlety, like Batman, you know, he's just wooden. He, yeah. He's terrible at it. Yeah. But the problem, why the reason why he fell from my good graces was he thought all along that he was the next Brando, that he was, that he should be doing Shakespeare. Yeah. And in his mind, he was incensed. Why won't Martin Scorsese return my calls? He tried out for Full Metal Jacket. Why won't Kubrick return my calls? And as I'm watching it, I'm going, uh, because they're great, they're <laughs> phenomenal directors, and they had a sense of who you were, which is a farce. Same reason they didn't return Jim Carrey's calls. You know what I mean? Like, but Val, as you're watching him through this, he's like still mad. He's toiling and he's drinking himself into a stupor, and he's ruining relationships around him because none of these people around him recognize his greatness. Yeah, and so he's falling. He's uh breaking apart under the weight of his own greatness. But I'm going, dude, you're actually not great. The <laughs> only reason we loved you in Doc as Doc Holiday was because you were an overactor who got this role that called for overacting. A character, you know? Because of Jim, Iceman, because you were Iceman, yeah. Val. And even that, you know, I, I don't think he had fully 
developed some of the things that I'm saying in Iceman. He played second fiddle yeah. and it worked as second fiddle at that time. Yeah. But as he grew, he expected to be this leading man that ultimately I don't think he ever deserved what was, to What be. was, uh, I mean, I would say Tombstone, Val Kilmer is peak. What would you say peak Val Kilmer is? Yeah. yeah. And I think you could offer Jim Morrison in the yeah. doors as that equivalent as well, where you go out there and you just overact to the extent to the extreme and it's perfect because that's who Jim Morrison yep. was, you know, bigger than life. Yeah. Oh. But I didn't have any of the, I, these thoughts all developed from me watching while you're watching Val. The, and again, it's a phenomenal documentary because all of that archival footage gives you a peek into who he really was. Yep. And it's an embarrassment. I thought it, he was a actually pretty embarrassing person still kind of is. Is he, is he, what's he doing today? Well, um, I know he has like throat. Yeah. He has that throat cancer. Yep. Which, uh, uh, so he's not doing much anymore. Okay. His um, final big kind of expression of all of his life's work was him on stage doing Mark Twain. Okay. It's this one man show that was a really interesting concept and he, he did it really well. I would have liked to have seen it. Um, and it was going to help him rebuild his finances because he went broke ultimately he got into some bad deal with his dad and like got ripped off a number of times and misspent tons of money. Um, and so that was going to help him recoup his finances. And I think he was going to turn that into a film or something, but ultimately I don't think it's ever going to come to fruition. His throat cancer eliminated his ability to act obviously. So now he's literally doing like personal appearances at trade shows and convention centers. Good on them. Which is kind of, is like the saddest thing ever. <laughs> One really interesting element was his son's voice is spot on identical with his voice. So Val typed out the narration for the whole oh. film and his son does the voiceover. That's fantastic. And it sounds exactly like Val. How old is his son? Uh, 20, 21, 22. Actor? What? Is his son an actor? I don't remember. But he's saying he's reading the narration as Val. So I grew up in San Fernando Valley as blah, blah, blah. And you think, Oh my God, this is Val's voice. Yeah. But Val doesn't have a voice anymore. And it turns out it's his son doing it. It sounds exactly like him. Well, that's, that makes me want to watch the Val doc. I feel like you're going to watch it. Now. Yeah. I've been waiting all this time and I should have just told you. all that. <laughs> um, all right. So we got barrel or not to close out the show. They're all Halloween related because around the corner, it's around the corner. Uh, we're scheduled to be here next week with Britt Merrick, but it's also right around the time my babies do. So, so tentative. Tentative. So I might not see you before Halloween. Okay. Barrel or not, taking your kid to the pumpkin patch. Barrel. Really? Yeah. You got to do it. It's a, I didn't grow up around pumpkin patches. They were not a thing in Oregon or that I ever saw. And so coming down to Southern California and then coming down to North County, San Diego was the first time I'd ever actually really seen one. I was like, oh, huh? But yeah, no, it's great. I mean, you don't buy a pumpkin there. Uh, Which is hilarious because it's too expensive, right? Yeah, yeah, pumpkins are expensive at the pumpkin patch. But take your kid on the bouncy houses, you know, like around me, all pumpkin patches basically just bounce house heaven. Right. And so, but they have fun, run around, bounce, you know, great, in and out. My buddy sent me a video from the pumpkin patch last week saying, hey, this is what your life is going to look like for the next decade or yeah. so. And it was pumpkins everywhere, of course, which I'm not offended by, but it was the bounce houses and all the food stands, like $15 funnel cakes and yeah. fried food, fried, you know, corn dogs, whatever, like all overpriced. He's like, you don't ever buy a pumpkin here. Same nope. thing you said, 
but you end up spending $80 on food. 80 bucks on food and bounce terrible houses. Terrible food. And it looked like a hellscape to me. That video he sent me, it looked like a hellscape. Get ready. Like, Where was the pumpkin patch, that one? In Long Beach. Okay. Yeah, I can imagine a Long Beach pumpkin patch would not be quite as nice. I went to the Carlsbad one with daughter and her best friend uh, last week sometime. They have a haunted corn or a corn maze there, like cut into a giant cornfield. Uh, There's a cornfield in Yeah, they grow, I think they literally grow it just for the pumpkin patch corn maze. They probably take the corn and do something with that too. But anyhow, uh, it's big. It's huge. And it's a maze. And you can't really see through it or right. whatever. So daughter and best friend went running off head. And they're like, I said, okay, we got to stick together. And they're like, no, ha, ha, <laughs> like tearing off in there. I like was on my phone, went sauntering into the corn maze, kind of got deep in and realized I am never going to find either of them. Like it's big enough where if we keep moving around here, like there's getting a dark soon, there's a, it was getting dark soon. There is a solid chance we will be here all night. Like so the terror struck at that point. And then thankfully I did find them, but it took us together three and they had been so like, they realized the trouble they were into. So then they actually stuck with me, uh, but it took me a good 20, 30 minutes to get out of the thing. That's insane. 20, 30 they minutes. They have to have security for that exact reason. I didn't see any. You got to put a homing beacon on a kid. Yeah. I'm thinking about implanting a chip. Yeah. You like can. a dog. Yeah. You know? Let's get your kid the vaccine. Comes with the chip. There you go. <laughs> I mean, and not only for that, but like, what if they get kidnapped? Yeah. You watch these movies where they're like chained up in a basement somewhere. Beacon will take you right to that basement. No problem. Yeah. Show up with a shotgun. Take out Jonah Hill. Grab your kid back. <laughs> um, so... The corn maze sounds amazing. In general, I've never been in a corn maze, yeah. but I fantasize about them all the time. It's right there. I'm like, that looks awesome. Carlsbad. Um, but the pumpkin patch thing, I guess if the kid has fun there, then I'm okay with it. It does not look fun to the kids to me because it's like tons of waiting in line. Oh. I see kids crying in there. Which kind of pumpkin? There's hay everywhere. Yeah, just- Gets in your eyes. If there's, probably. truly, if there's lines and food, you're at the wrong pumpkin patch. Okay. You go okay. to the ones that are just like, have pumpkins, have the bounce houses set up, maybe have a tray of Skittles, overpriced Skittles or something like that. But Candy corn. Yeah, keep it, keep it like, go to the, the second tier pumpkin patches. Because okay. what your kid really will want to do is just bounce in the bouncy houses. Right, which I'm fine with. Yeah. That's fun. Yeah. Okay. It's like tons so, of bouncy houses. So barrel, if it's the right pumpkin patch. Barrel. Okay. Barrel or not, number two, scaring children. Barrel. This is a huge Halloween pastime. I love the idea of a haunted house. Kid comes around the corner. The question is, are you traumatizing your child? Well, the problem is for you is yes, you are. And then your child has trouble sleeping, et cetera, et cetera. So, is but it it's worth it. Yes. It is worth it for the trauma. I love the idea of doing it. Yeah, it's fun. I like scaring people in general. It's fun. It's funny. You will totally traumatize your child into not being able to sleep without the door open and all the lights on for like three years, but it's worth it. I want my kid to be vigilant. Sure. Look, yeah. look out. Pay yeah. attention. Mm -hmm. There's things coming at you in life. Sleep with your lights on. If for nothing else, so that when they're driving in the future, they're aware of their surroundings. Head on a swivel. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. Uh, are you going to dress up this Halloween? Nah. Are you, you're not? Well, so again, we don't know when the baby's coming. Due date's the 27th. So it's kind of like on day two, three of an infant. Do we want to also put on costumes? You sure do. You want to put, a, you want to put, you, you can get. Trust me, the baby already has costumes. Oh yeah. Like a number of costumes. Yep. So that's happening, but I don't think I need to be part of that. You could dress up as Val Kilmer, put a scarf around your neck. Yeah. Doesn't wear nice cravats. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that ties into barrel or not. Number three, hiding inside on Halloween night. No barrel. Really? Hiding inside? Like turning all the lights off, pretending you're not home. So that, yeah, you don't have to feed the kids. Definitely not. Really? Definitely not. The people who do that deserve, they should bring back the trick to the trick or treat. People who are home hiding should get their windows waxed. That's what mm. they should get. Brutal. Old fashioned soaped. Yeah. Wow. Yep. You have lost all of your grit. No. Why? That I'm saying that you're going to soap people's windows? No, that the fact that you don't want to, uh, that you do want to participate in the festivities of Halloween. Sure. That you want to bring joy to children by giving them candy. Opening door, giving candy. Wow. What are you dressed up as, cutie? Yeah, being curmudgeonly inside, lights off, faking you're a Jehovah's Witness, not cool. Okay, we got a baby, newborn baby. Yep. That's going to cry, potentially, at the sound of the doorbell or no. any of that sort of stuff. What if the baby's what if the baby's asleep? Your newborn is so addled those first couple days. It just came into the world. It you can like drive a dump truck over your house and it won't wake up. I'm gonna lock down, dude. I'm gonna shut off all the lights, upstairs nope. bedroom, TV on, let those kids outside suffer. You, you are you are setting a precedent for your child now. So you are now a father. You have a child. There's children outside. You want people to give candy to your child someday? You better give oh. candy right away. Don't give your candy to my child. I'll give my my child its own candy. Really? Is your child not going to allow be allowed to go trick or treating? I'm just kidding. No, we'll probably do that. Yeah, I'm saying now. If you're a dad, if you're officially a dad on Halloween, you're morally obligated to open the door and give some candies. I guess I better start buying candy now. Better. It's going to be a busy week ahead of me. I buy candy on my way home. From Don't here. buy it from the pumpkin patch. Of course. Buy it from Vons. All right, this is all good information. I'll take some of it to heart. Others I'm going to write off completely. Could we get Vons to sponsor us on the podcast? I don't know. We could reach out. Yeah. What do you need from them? I don't know. I just like Vons. Go to feel like I go to Vons a lot. Just thinking of you buying candy, picturing you in Vons, thinking could probably do a podcast or two from Vons. There's, yeah, I, I will reach out. We'll have our people reach out to Vons' people. Do they sponsor podcasts? They should. They sell vodka. <laughs> Sure do. Discount on vodka. Uh, well, again, thanks to Album Surfboards as always. I'll tell you, riding, I rode my album in the pool. Wife rode the ASIM in the pool. It was an album affair. Did she get barreled? And did she make a barrel? Uh, she did. Uh, okay. She wasn't deep, but yeah, she got like. She posted it and asked if it was make or not. I'm giving it to her. Yeah, I mean, she was she was definitely in the pocket, definitely under the lip. Pocket ride where she could see the roof. Yes. But she wasn't like deep in deep it. Deep in it. Yeah. Yep. So I'll give it to her. Uh, shout out to our sponsors as well. Whoop. Whoop. Keeping me fit. Keeping me ungrit. Whoop.com. Promo code is surf. And of course, athleticgreens.com. Make Chaz fit again. Exactly. All right. Thanks, Chaz. Until next week. Get barrel. And don't forget to post your job for free at linkedin.com slash surf. That's linkedin.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply.